The following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery, a Charles Austin company. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. Hey, everybody. Carl Yummy here. Welcome to Secret Service Speaking Secrets. I am, of course, here with my two best friends, Walton Sears, Philbert Fletcher, and we are three super fans of the new, highly critically rated prestige TV show, Secret Service. Uh, shout out to showrunner Zeke Zollers. He's put together an amazing uh, written and directed an amazing um, 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 series here. Um, we all just got finished through with the first season. So warning to everybody listening, there are going to be some spoilers. So please, this is a review show. If you haven't seen Secret Service, please just pause it right here. I promise you, you're going to like what you see. Joined by uh, uh, Walton Sears, who's a certain fan. Walton, tell him a little bit about yourself. Uh, I mean, there's not much to say about me. I'm here to talk about the show, but um, I mean, I think we've all uh, become closer as friends. We've known each other for a while. Uh, we oh, yeah. The, the, we were talking on the forums. You know, we were just kids back then. But um, this is this show kind of just changed everything for us. And I think what Zeke Zollers has put together, the the enormous talented cast, the the, the directors of each episode, the writing, the writers, I, I the, the the soundtrack like I, we could just we're gonna go into all of that but man what an achievement uh just on season one alone and yeah I'm I'm just totally excited about this uh Philbert I'm guessing you're as much of a fan as we are have you finished the first season yeah of course and you know I gotta say I was a fan before I even started watching like I saw that promotional poster they put out a couple weeks before the first episode aired and we see John Secret, you know, he's a Secret Service agent. He looks so cool. He He's like a tough guy, you know. But next to him, we see his sister, and she's got some blue hair. You're thinking, what's going on you know, here? Maybe she's one on of these. Here, you know? yeah, she's wearing yeah. like an army fatigue jacket, but she's got like pins on it that says, it probably says like save the whales or something. I don't remember. but Right, right. Uh, and then then that, the caption, you know, it says, he's got a few secrets of his own. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. The Secret Service, and he's got his own secrets. This is going to be mm-hmm. really quite a wild ride, isn't it? A lot of times when you you know you think about the Secret Service, you think about protecting the president, or maybe you know if you are you know uh, a little smarter, you might think about how they also you know they protect debasing coinage. Well, this isn't about any of that. This is about protecting the president, and it's about John Secret, who uh, played by you know the amazing Johnny Hardbody. I mean, I don't yeah. think anybody really saw him coming in this role. Yeah, he's he's had so many roles in Hollywood as kind of a side guy. I never saw him making that leap to leading man quite so quickly, but he plays it so convincingly. I think people kind of wrote off Johnny. I mean, he's a good-looking guy. You know, he's always been he's he's a hunk. I mean, let's be real. He always got typecasted that way. No one really thought he would take on a sort of serious role like this. Yeah, he's and sensitive, think, he's fierce, he's everything. Absolutely. You know? I think he's a front runner for the Emmy already. I'm going to say it right now. I know oh, yeah, say, I, you oh, should it, get Walton, it. that's too early. Shut up. I'm like, no, have you seen this show? You know, he's, I've heard detractors. He get it. There's detractors out there saying that they called his character John Secret because he would only respond to his real name on set because Johnny Hardbody's just not really. Yeah, he doesn't go by John. He goes by Johnny. So that doesn't exactly. Make it's a totally sense. different name. Like those people just yeah. didn't watch. They didn't watch the show. They didn't fucking pay attention. You know, even within the show, they're very rarely addressing him as you know by his first name. You know that really wouldn't be befitting the status of a Secret Service agent. 
uh, with, you know, which he is. Um, and he, he's got a lot going on, you know, we're going to get into some of the episode recaps here and kind of go line by line and talk about, you know, the evolution of the show thematically through the first season, um, you know, going to all these, you know, these amazing shots, this amazing cinematography. Um, but before we get into kind of the breakdown a little bit, I mean, let's, let's, let's do some overviews of the characters so everybody can kind of get caught up. Um, of course, uh, John's secrets wife, uh, Felicity Secret Kaminsky, um, you know, she kind of exists as a foil within the show where his sister's very supportive and they look out for each other. There's almost this antagonistic relationship between his own wife, which adds, you know, to the character, you know, this day to day stress of, you know, a failing marriage is weighing on him. Well, as the show goes on, we see why, though, because it seems like he has failed to fulfill a lot of his dreams and his promises in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it went from her going from, I mean, she cared for him and then she saw him giving up on what he wanted to do. And then when you have that kind of uh, relationship and your partner gives up on themselves, you can't help but feel like they've given up on you probably even before themselves. And it's like, how do you, what do you do with that? So throughout the show, she's, you know, she's always leaving to go to the gym and she just doesn't clearly doesn't want to be around John. Um, even when he's, you know, he's barely home. He's always working. He's, you know, at the white house or on the air force one, whatever. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's understandable. Like she has her reasons. She's not just an evil person. Like you kind of understand where she's coming from. You know, she oh, has absolutely. her secrets too. I'm All sure. these characters are so well developed and have so much depth. Like you can't just pigeonhole any of them. Just like uh, John's sister, Shiloh's secret, who lives with them. I mean, sure, she's an eco terrorist and she has blue hair, but she's also family, right? And family is such an important value that keeps John and Shiloh close, even as their political ideals kind of diverge from one another you know? and jacinda dately as shiloh just crushes it like i oh think, yeah i mean she might get the emmy too i wouldn't be surprised i would be happy to see it um you know one thing that i'm amazed my favorite uh performance of the entire uh series um kind of was a surprise for me uh president august semblance played by the amazing david hyde pierce um you know plays this very even keeled, you know, at the beginning, he seems like this even keeled bipartisan president. They're always talking about him pushing, you know, this bipartisan agenda upon the country, down the country's mouth. Uh, it, it gives a different perspective of a president than we've seen in media before, which I thought was like a very brave decision. Well, that's an interesting interpretation because you, you see it as he's pushing this bipartisan agenda down everyone's throats. But I think that the president is trying to bring everyone together in his way kind of, and we kind of see that reflected in John's secret and Shiloh secrets relationship where even though they have differing opinions, they can come together. And I think the president sees the whole nation that way. He wants to bring us together. And that's a really nice thought in these troubling times, you know, and uh, kind of rounding out the main cast, of course, is the vice president, Lamia Brisk, um, a very bold and, you know, ambitious sort of character, um, you know, who at the, at the beginning, you're, you're very suspicious of, you have no idea what this person's motivations might be. Yeah. You see a vice president and you're like, that's a pretty powerful person right there. But like, you, you think like what could be more powerful than that, but she's got some ambitions of her own that become pretty clear. 
It becomes uh, pretty clear. Amazing show. I mean, we haven't even gotten to a lot of the side characters, a lot of the guys that show up. Um, you know, Jameson Harvest playing that silly custodian who shows up over and over and over. I thought, uh, you know, that was, you know, a really welcome break of kind of like a humor within the show that you, you would have this guy that is aware of all these transgressions of these powerful people. He's going through their garbage. You know, he's seeing. He's just shaking know, his head at everything. Yeah. And, and like, and, oh, uh, like what what's next? You know, it's just another day on the job for him. A very good commentary of, of the every man kind of going to power. But uh, you know, guys, maybe we should should we just jump in and, and start going through the first episode and recap this thing for everybody? Let's break yeah, it down. why don't Let's you take us through it. that recap? All right, let's start in on episode one. Season one, when I turned this show on, I had no idea what to expect, right? I had seen the promos. I had seen the kind of hieroglyphic iconography in the intro. And, you know, the second the show starts off, you hear, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the sort of like, you know, I wouldn't know how to describe it almost like Arab dance music, sort of like that song from inside man. And you see these hieroglyphics and the hieroglyphics are changing into the actors names where they're showing, you know, Jacinda Dately, David Hyde Pierce, Johnny Hardbody. I thought it was going to be about a, a theme park. I show. did too. I was, I had no idea what to expect. You know, I had known that this was going to be about a, a secret service agent. There was something eerie going on, but a lot of the Egyptian iconography, uh, uh, you know, really kind of confused me at the beginning. And that, you know, it starts to make more sense when we see it open up and the show opens up in Cairo, Egypt. I really like how clever it was. I mean, first of all, the intro is amazing. Um, sort of those, those low humming, violins uh after the uh, with the like the sort of uh yeah the sort of arab instruments and um the hieroglyphics turn into the names of the cast like the you did, what does that translate into johnny hardbody i don't know but it may, it, it looks egyptian it definitely I, did. I, look. I, I'm I'm picking up what they're laying down, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, aesthetically, it wanted to establish kind of what it was going for early on, and we see uh you know President August semblance. David Hyde Pierce himself visiting Cairo well, this for a diplomatic don't meeting. Forget, this episode is entitled The Cairo Affair. Yes, episode one, The Cairo Affair. Uh, giving a speech before 100,000 Egyptians where he's touting this new cooperative energy plan where America and Egypt are trading oil back and forth as a show of goodwill, whereas they're giving us some free oil, we're giving them some free oil, we're transporting our oil to them. It's almost like a tasting, uh, you know, hoping that, you know, this would build more better relations with America and the Middle East. And you see, uh, that's when we see our hero. That's the first shot of uh, Secret Service agent John Secret scanning the crowd. You know, that's when we get the first vibe as he's kind of looking with those sunglasses on suspiciously through the crowd, seeing people move around and and we see him get a little bit distracted, the Secret Service agent, you know, when a cat starts walking around his aid at his legs. It's kind of he's, interesting too what they do with it too because everyone in Cairo is like wearing white or they're wearing white suits and then John is still wearing his classic Secret Service black suit. And can't even tell he's sweating. Yeah, the contrast of it, where you're like, "Oh, that's him right there." Yeah, there's and the so much character development is kind of like imbued in that gesture. Like we see what kind of person he is, and like even the president when he's giving that speech, well, it's like you get this idea that he's such a competent, uh, like diplomat in a way where he he struck this really difficult deal with Egypt. It's about energy, fossil fuels; these are big issues, and the president struck this really like bipartisan great deal to help us get this oil that we trade back and forth with Egypt. You know. 
I thought it's, it, it's, I, I read it because John, he's like, everyone, like I said, is contrasted. He's wearing dark. He's wearing black because he might have a darker side. He might have some secrets himself. Oh my God. I didn't even realize that. You're right. And, and we start to realize this isn't just some average secret service agent. You know, we, we, we watch him. He's looking down nervously at this cat walking between his legs. He looks around. He doesn't see any cats anywhere. No one's even reacting to this cat or even looking at it other than him. It starts meowing and meowing. And all of a sudden you see it walk away with a scrap of what appears to be an ancient cloth in its mouth. And you're wondering, okay, what, what is this? Does this have anything to do with it? And, you know, by the time you even get to the point where you're ready to start thinking what's going on here, John Secret uh, starts looking over. He sees the president talking. All he hears is ringing in his ears. He can't make out any world. He collapses and it all goes black. And then the intro credits come in and you're like, okay, I'm locked in. That's when I knew. I think this is going to be a good show. I honestly thought that cat would, was about to say something. It was so intense. <laughs> you know, my wife thought it was CGI. She kept saying the cat was CGI, but I couldn't really tell. I mean, it I looked think really it, real. I believe if it, it was. was. Yeah. Well, there's a lot sure of good cat you... actors these days, though. Cats have gotten way better at acting in like the last 20 years. There is one of those hieroglyphics that shows up and then turns into whiskers. So maybe that was the cat cat actor maybe that was i know that. that the intro they actually did utilize um ai technology to make the uh, intro so i, I oh will say there could there is a chance that one of the you know actors could be named whiskers there could have been an actor who had a single name that was whiskers so i don't want to say it's definitely the cat but you know it's a possibility it's a distinct possibility I'll have to go over the IMDb page to, you know, kind of cap up with that. But uh, we, we see John Secret then waking up and all of a sudden he's going back to America already. He's on Air Force One, you know. They got a nurse there. She's wiping his head down. He's babbling something incoherent about a cat. And uh, when he mentions the cat, you notice uh, President Semblance's attention perked up, perked up from the front of the plane. You see him kind of look back suspiciously at John. You're like going... Okay, what what exactly is in the mix here? You know, the the flight goes by. He's back at the White House. He feels overheated and sweaty, thinking about what he saw in Egypt, the hot sun, the scrap of cloth. So he decides to go to the bathroom next to the Oval Office to splash some water on his face. But that's when we see something strange, but not strange in the same way as the cryptic, mystical stuff going on before. Uh... It turns out the political deal with Egypt isn't the only affair on the president's mind as Agent John Secret walks into the Oval Office to find President Semblance sucking on Vice President Lamia Brisk's toes. Oh, my First God. episode, guys. I was wow. like, oh, we're really going in oh, here. Oh, yeah, they just... <laughs> I mean, but, like, to, I mean, that's... That's kind of like what you you expect that happens in, in the White House, or at least in in, in mm -hmm. D.C. You know, this is the kind of stuff that's going on. It's kind of, kind of like House of Cards, for instance. But this show gets way crazier because that's just that's the vanilla stuff. Is that mm -hmm. there's affairs going on in D.C. Right? Yeah, yeah. When I saw that scene, I was like, okay, so the president has some secrets of his own. But hold up. The poster promised me that John's secret had secrets, and I want to know what those are. Like we're well, just not only started. not only the president, but vice president. That's true. There's she a has lot some secrets of secrets well. in the show. Absolutely. It seems like at this point in the show, everyone has a secret except for John. And boy, is that about to change. Um, you can see it at the end of the first episode as we get into there. You know, he goes home after seeing this. He's not sure if President Semblance or the vice president saw him. 
And uh, he gets a call from the vice president on he's on his way home from his shift at the Secret Service. She's going, hey, is everything all right? Are you okay? You know, um, and she she says something very cryptic here. Um, she says, hey, Secret Service agents aren't supposed to have any secrets of their own. And what does John do? John swears he doesn't have any. You know, at that point, we don't know if he's lying or telling the truth. But uh, how'd you guys react when, uh, you know, he uh, walks home? We see his home for the first time. We've seen this guy at work. We haven't really seen his softer side. And we see this family photo. And I went, <gasps> it's John and his sister Shiloh's secret. And as the camera pans over to the TV, where a reporter is talking about a group of eco-terrorists who stole all the water from SeaWorld. And that lead eco-terrorist is none other than John's secret sister, Shiloh. And we're going, oh, man, his sister's a terrorist. How could this get any worse? He's in the Secret Service. They're not supposed to be around. Well, I think, like, the footage, like, they show, and you you don't really see her face, but you see it's her jacket. And he looks over, and he sees her jacket hanging on the coat rack. Yeah. So he knows. Maybe the anchor doesn't know. Maybe people don't know that his sister is the leader of this group. But he knows. But, you know, just another secret for John. And then and, we uh, see his sister come out of the kitchen and turn the TV off when the report is on. And it was like blew my mind because the episode ended when she turned the TV off. It's like these people are geniuses who come oh, up with this yeah. stuff. And, you know, great, great music being done. They, you know, got the song from the Jinx where it goes, oh, whenever she turns it off. And, you know, <laughs> we have this cool rock music playing in the background as we see her walking away nonchalantly. Meanwhile, John, you know, everything that happened to him at work today, he doesn't tell anybody. So we think, okay, not only does this guy have secrets, he's keeping secrets from the people that are secrets. You know, how far down does this go? And, uh, you know, from there on out, I was locked into this show. I wanted to see. And, you know, the first season, sadly, you know, it only goes to six episodes. You know, I'm hoping, you know, we can get a confirmation on season two pretty quick, but I'm not looking too optimistic about it. It was quality over quantity, though, because every single episode just packs in so much. Oh, it really does. Well, TMZ and, reported that uh, Johnny Hardbody was vacationing in Egypt, but who knows what that means? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they actually did any filming there or whatever. I know they did something. They were filming a lot of it on location in Silver Spoons, Georgia for the tax credit. But, you know, within the narrative, you know, they basically, I think, got the most out of building that White House set. Um, so first episode ends. What did you guys think after the first one? Were you locked in yet? 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just what about to see you, where Philbert? this thing is going? I mean, there's so many secrets, and the viewer is let in on all these secrets, and we're like, oh, we must oh, know yeah. all the secrets now. But guess what? We don't know guess the what? half of it. And, and let's let's get into episode two, The Sands of Time, which is uh, another tour de force. Really, a, a lot of things are learned, a lot of revelations in it's this episode. sort of double entendre title, too, if I say so, you know? Uh, we open on John's secret hanging out in his garage, working on a boat he is building, building his own boat, you know, and all of a sudden for the first time we see his wife comes into frame. Uh, Felicity secret Kaminsky walks by with her arms folded, sneering, working on the boat again. Can't wait to see how long before you give up this time, which tells us a lot about their relationship and really about, you know, John's life that, that we really don't know anything about it this time. I think it kind of shows that John has clearly been working on this thing. It's, 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 you know, half painted in some parts. It's just, it's just totally not finished. And 
there's tools and, you know, nails and nuts and bolts and power tools just laying all over. And the boat is honestly has cobwebs on it. So it's like, what is this guy doing? On the partially painted bow of the boat, we see in red text where it said, John Hart Felicity 2004. We're like, that was 20 years ago. You know, he's been working on this dang thing since they got married, it sounds like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with the wife, uh, Felicity, I mean, I got to say, that's probably the most hated character on the internet. They really, uh, you know, do you guys think that kind of, uh, uh, you know, is fair? You know, she's married to this man with all these secrets. And even though she is, you know, uh, you know, reveals herself to be an abuser, um, you know, uh, people really people really were not a fan of her before even they found that that well, I think out. it's just I mean, kind of shallow like they don't fully understand the character because they're right there is some stuff that happens in these next few scenes where basically you know their their argument about the boat escalates at dinner and John's secret we see him asking for more spaghetti uh, which upsets her because she thinks that he doesn't deserve any spaghetti so she's still wearing her curlers at dinner I guess because she's been so busy preparing this meal <laughs> She's in her robe. She explains uh, that she made, I think in a deleted scene. Somebody, one of these, one of the writers' room said on Twitter. Yeah, and she begins to abuse him. She hits him with the frying pan, rolling, rolling pin, pin, yeah, tennis, tennis racket. racket. It's like this. She got like a, a, a you know, six iron at one point. I think um, a frozen turkey. She puts on his head and then hits that with the rolling pin. Um, really brutal scene. A really realistic yeah. depiction of I domestic abuse. It should have been a trigger warning on this scene because, like, uh, it's kind of a very. It kind of hits home for a lot of people, maybe who've been hit with frying pans. Yeah. Or uh, who've been dragged out to the garage like Andy Cap uh, by his wife. You know. And it, and it starts um, to get more and more sadistic, especially, you know, when when she does put the handcuffs on him and she tickles his feet and he's helpless. He's completely helpless at that. Well, point. I just got to say that um, I get the hate. I get people hating it, um, which means she did a great job. Cadence uh, yeah. Greenstat is incredible in the show because this is oh, such yeah. a it's like Johnny Hardbody. It's like such a change of role when she was on five seasons of Rinky Rinky's Rules, the sitcom. She plays like the sweet, loving mom. And this is like a total flip. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was a little confusing, too, because, you know, I, I watched this on streaming, but a lot of people know that it was broadcast on, you know, on the Risco network, you know, right before Rinky's Rules. So a lot of people that were watching on their TVs at home were very confused about how the very nice mother from Rinky's Rules is playing this evil, abusive wife in, um, you know, I guess they should have spaced it out or maybe had different actresses or whatever, but you really can't blame her that because she, she no, no, I think it just, I think the, the, the contrast is just perfect. It shows like her, her depth as an actor, um, I think that she is going to be a major um, contender for an Emmy as well. I think everyone in the show is going to get an Emmy. Every single person that's acting on the show will receive oh, an Emmy person. Even well, the cat. It, I mean, I just want to say, Especially you know, cat. you know, before this kind of serious dramatic role came out for, um, you know, in Rinky's Rules, she was considered probably the next face of female slapstick. Um, in terms that's of we physical see, it's body interesting. language. I think they're playing off of that. They like a smart viewer was aware of that history of her career. And so they see this frying pan, this rolling pin, this tennis racket, and they're seeing it in a new light now. Cause it's not so funny in this show. Is it, you know? No, no, it's not. Um, it's no. like but if she, a clown kills himself, of, you know? Exactly. Like she, she kind of, um, 
proves that the scene has a point though. When after, after she's done with him, she finally admonishes him and she says, are you just going to give up on this family the way you gave up on your boat? And now mm-hmm. we see like why she's, she actually is invested she's in better. this marriage. She's worried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's For 20 better, years. She loves him. Yeah. You know, for 20 years, she's been watching that boat in the garage and nothing has changed. I mean, who, it's like who a metaphor. You know? It's really smart. So, you know, after that scene abruptly ends, they cut out of there. He's left laying under the boat. Um, we go back to John's sister, who was introduced at the end of the episode last uh, time as well. And she's browsing her eco-terrorist telegram channel and becomes very concerned about a report about a mummy that recently went missing in Egypt while the United States president was there. It's all over the telegram board. She goes up to try to talk to John about it and ask him if he knows anything about this. And she finds him crying in a pile under his boat, you know, just kind of, just kind of despondent laying there and uh, broken. And uh, until now we see him as such a competent secret service agent, you know, he's kind of like, mysterious he's buff he's tough but he also has these moments of weakness you know some would say that he has a secret and that he is in service to the secret in the fact that he works in secret service That's really well but, said but i'm not done <laughs> but <laughs> okay. his secret has to be serviced so that he can keep it secret as he is named john secret Okay, yeah, I would agree with that analysis. I think that's mm-hmm. that's about mm-hmm. right. She tells John about the mummy, but he ignores it. He's skeptical. He dismisses it. He's got other stuff on his mind. I mean, at my time there, I'm watching that. I, I felt like it was a stretch. I thought, surely it can't be the mummy. Surely it has to be explained some other way. I mean, I don't think that's like at the front of his mind at that time. You know, he's worried about... He's got a lot going on in his personal He's life. worried about his wife, his marriage, the boat, and then... That's just the back of his mind. The front of his mind is work, protecting the president, yeah. protecting his secrets, protecting him and the vice president and their secret of him sucking on our toes and whatever whatever else they do in the Oval Office. And uh, you can you know, tell not- that the, the man the man has no outlet. You know, he can't mm-hmm. he can only really confide in his sister, and his sister's wanting to talk about missing mummies in Egypt. Like, yeah. what, is she, what is she babbling about? This scene really dramatizes the difference between the two of them, though, because he's trying to tell her like. Don't you see it's a liability for me? I'm a secret service agent and you're a dang eco-terrorist. You're always saying how bad America is and you're doing stuff bad to America, like stealing that water from SeaWorld. And she's like, well, on my side, it's not so easy either because everyone in my telegram group thinks America is evil. Yes, even the secret service, she says. And you can tell that stung him. Yeah, you can it tell hurts. when she says that. Right. But she also was she's a terrorist for good reasons. She cares about America. That's why she does terrorism That's right. for her. Ultimately, yeah. she just sees those evil deeds that America perpetrates and she wants to make this country better. You know, they both have this vision of a better America. They just see it in such different ways. Yeah. And you know, even despite all that, like John still loves her and supports her financially cuz she's so busy with her terrorism that she can't have time to get a real job. Um, But she kind of throws that back in his face like, I never gave up on my dream, unlike him who gave up on his boat. And we also learned that he gave up on his dream of one day being the president, not just a Secret Service agent. Yeah, we kind of figure that out from the sister as well of just like, you know, 
this guy once had really high-minded dreams to become the president of the whole United States, and now here he is, the lowly bodyguard of the president. You know, a, a lot of stuff in his life are just feeling completely topsy-turvy. You know, he's not getting the love and compassion he wants at home. He's keeping that to himself. He's keeping all the secrets at work to himself. You wonder, you know, what this guy, what's this guy's breaking point going to be? That's when he shows up at White House again the following day, ready to, you know, punch in and cash in his check. And uh, it looks like President uh, August Semblance, played by David Hyde Pierce, he's got some odd scarab cufflinks all of a sudden he's wearing, which makes him go, hmm. Of course, the president has a reason. Oh, I got these in Egypt. They were a gift from Abdel Fattah el-Sisi. Do you like them? And then he says, he says this one line, which I thought was very well written, where he said, scarabs are uniquely linked to the underworld. Did you know that? <laughs> and uh, you can see kind of John remember what his sister told him. And he starts to, you know, get suspicious. He's yeah, we see like a thought bubble appear above his head and a little mummy in it. Yeah, <laughs> you see that. You we saw see that? I, I don't remember that. that. Is that what you saw? <laughs> I saw, I, I remember. I think it might have been that. AI or something. Oh. <laughs> It might, but, have been uh, the, it might have been the Risco, um, that Risco uh, plugin that they added. Oh, the Risco. Yeah, it's like pop up video. There's, yeah. yeah, there's unique plugins that they have on the Risco network. Um, so if you only if you don't watch it on the Risco network, you won't get this. Yeah, but it is a bonus feature for this series. Yeah, it's, it's sort designed of like for the average Risco viewer who doesn't pick up on context clues very well. It's sort of like a fire stick that you plug into your TV and you don't play it from it. You have to play the video and then the fire stick sort of like an overlay. That's an adds, overlay. That's it yep, adds, exactly it, it adds additional jokes and bits. It's called the Risco Riffer. Facts. It costs ni- $19.99. If Johnny Hardbody was born in Three Pumpkins, California, that type of stuff. And you can turn off the Risco Riffer if you don't want the facts or if you just want to watch it. Usually what I've been doing is I watch the first you know playthrough without the Riffer, and then I'll watch it again with the oh, Riffer on. I, I, I don't use the Riffer for watching the show. That's why I didn't see that, that thought bubble like you said, but... I do like watching Rinky's Rules with the Riffer because it makes I it do. double I funny. Love watching, <laughs> watching Rinky's Rules with it, you know, because, you, know, uh, you know, when they'll say like, you know, show somebody slipping on a banana peel and then they're, you know, slipping down the stairs and then what's at the bottom of the stairs? <laughs> it's another banana peel. And then Rinky's Riffer will tell, you know, bananas are grown, you know, the primary export of Indonesia and all the kinds yeah, of cool the, facts. The, the first bananas are believed to come from well, the Malaysian Peninsula, the, there Indonesia was that- and the Philippines. There's a scene I saw. I remember like Rinky feeds all of his breakfast to the dog because he doesn't want to eat it. And then yeah. a, a a thought bubble appears to the dogs over the dog's head. And it's like a poop emoji. Like the dog doesn't yeah. even want to eat this breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. It doesn't sound that funny. But when you watch it's it, funny it's funny when you watch funny. it. Yeah, it's funny when you, the Risco Riffer is funny. I mean, we can all agree on that. The Risco Riffer is the Risco funny. Riffer is funny. It's great. Risco it's also Riffer very informative. Rinky's rules. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, um, you know, that's when, you know, back to getting to our uh, secrets service. Um, that's when we get to the big Library of Congress scene where we show him on his lunch break from the Secret Service walking across the street to the Library of Congress. And uh, he pulls out a big book, a big old dusty book. You can actually see the dust fly out of it when he opens it. And the book just says real dust? Egypt. It says Egypt on it. Mm. Incredible, incredible. He's like, scene. I'm going to look into this myself. You know, something doesn't mm-hmm. feel right. 
Final shot is him alone at the table, single lamp on, back to the camera. Dolly pulls away. The screen goes black after showing Egypt. And then uh, it, it plays into an acoustic rendition of Walk Like an Egyptian, which I thought was... Yeah, it's was, kind of got a minor key vibe to it, too. It's a yeah, little, very little unsettling. Sinister. I was thought, like, this is cool this is, stuff. This is an upbeat, fun song, and then they made it a little bit kind of spooky, you know? By the it's, end it, of the second can, episode, I'm all in. Oh, I'm all in by this episode. I was all in when I saw the poster. I already told you that. Well, I, think, I think we were all in by the second episode. Let's uh, let's go ahead to the third episode. You know, this is, uh, you know, it's a six episode series. So it really is like every episode's almost like a movie in terms of like the information. And, uh, you know, it's a normal enough day at the White House. John Secret's patrolling the hallways. He's trailing behind a tour guide. All of a sudden, he feels like a sudden gust of wind and like sand flicking his cheeks as well, he. Don't, uh, don't forget uh, to, to mention this is a uh, it's called Mouth of the Sphinx. This episode. Um, yeah, the episode, uh, season one, episode three, Mouth of the Sphinx, a uh, great episode. He gets that sand and feels that wind, and he goes down to the basement. You know, this weird part of the White House basement that, you know, it, like the dungeon he had never been to before. And you kind of get the vibe that, like, the basement of the White House is more like an ancient castle than it is like a building that people work in. But uh, you know, he, he finds this strange room. This wind leads further and further in death, and uh, it's filled with Egyptian iconography, scarabs, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of hieroglyphics. And then at the center of the room, a large wooden box about, oh you know, eight feet long, four feet high, three feet wide. I mean, I'm There's thinking the president thinking must of. have another secret, huh? I'm thinking this is somebody's secret. And, uh, you know, the suspense is crazy. They have that vibrato playing as a suspense build. And John gets closer and closer to the box and he reaches to open it. Boom. Huh. Jump scare. President Semblance appears with a flashlight and asks John what he's looking for. I, I almost, I almost feed my damn, I almost feed my little damn pants. You know, if I, if I've got to be honest with you, I almost feed my little pants. It was it was just really uh, probably the most tense scene so far oh, in the yeah. series at this point. Um, John, like he steps in and there's you know there's stuff all over and he like steps on a piece of paper and he picks it up and it 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 says Air Force One cargo manifest and it's all redacted. Yeah, like, and he, there's like he's like what what is this like what was yeah this and from? you know. Like normally you think of a secret service agent. He's probably saying, yes, sir. Yes, sir. To the president. But John's secret here, he has the tenacity to ask the president directly what's in this box. And the president just kind of smiles and he looks to the side and he's just kind of like, you probably think as the president of the United States that I must be the most moral person on planet earth, but presidents have their secrets too. That sent oh my God. shit chills down my spine when David Hyde Pierce said that. Uh, I, amazing! I would have never pictured him playing a president, but but uh, you know he did a, he, he did amazing. I, this is a total flip for him too because he plays the principal in Ricky's Rules, and he is <laughs> so silly. Oh my God! The banana cream pie day every Friday. What kind of school is that? I mean, he's a crazy principal in that show. I mean, he just he makes Ricky's life hell, but I think Ricky makes. <laughs> I think he makes 
Rinky's life, or I think Rinky makes his life well, worse because Rinky's a little, he's a little stinker, man. Yeah, but you know, to be honest, the principal's a little bit of a stinker too. Because what, what does he do to Rinky when he shows up to school in that leather jacket? And he just told him last episode, "Don't come to school in that leather jacket. <laughs> you can't come to school in a leather jacket." So instead of punishing him. The principal takes the leather jacket off the coat rack, washes it, and makes it about four times smaller. Rinky's trying to squeeze into that thing, trying to get home. His family's like, what's going on here? It was so funny. When the the, the episode where they do, they do the school camping trip and Rinky's <laughs> groups, their chaperone is the principal himself. And during, during the night, they shave off the principal's mustache. He wakes yeah. up. And he's looking all over for his mustache. He's patting his face. He's looking in his pockets. It's like, where'd my mustache go? Yeah, that was very funny. And now he's playing this super, you know, dark, serious, dark role. And uh, John secret seems a little bit satisfied with his encounter with the president that, you know, maybe he should just let it be. I want stuff to be let be about my life. Maybe if I don't bother him, he won't bother me, you know? So John's, uh, he goes and he finds the tour guide from earlier that he was kind of, Kind of going, and he's like, "What? What about that room in the basement with the, uh, you know, the ancient Egyptian stuff in it and all the hieroglyphics?" And they said, uh, "You know, that's not an ancient room at all. That was built three months ago." And uh, the president told all the tour guides not to mention it on the tour or to bring anyone there. And that so John strikes John John's, his, his eyebrow just furls. He's like, even mm. the tour guides are keeping a secret for the president. Mm-hmm. They probably have like, their own secrets too. Mm-hmm. They call it the secret service, but really it's not the service that is secret. It is the secrets that you encounter during your service. And by secrets, mm-hmm. I don't mean John's secret. I'm talking about people's individual secrets. Even though John's secret does have secrets, those are secrets necessary in service, but they're not necessarily secret services. So back right. home, John's secret confides in his sister Shiloh that He's starting to think there might be something to this whole mummy business. He explains the president's Egypt room and Shiloh tells John something very, very specific. She goes, you know, if it's a mummy, you know, the weakness is fire, you know, King Mummet, Mummeticon, but Mummeticon, Mummet, King Mummeticon, King Mummeticon. King M, the mummy who went missing, is very vulnerable to fire. Um, So she gives him a lighter and in return, you know, he gives her a hug. She's the first. This person is the first like actual like physical that affection helps. he shows, like anyone. Like mm-hmm. he's cold, he reserved like throughout the series. But now he like he opens up and he gives his sister a hug, and it's like oh he he's starting to kind of feel like his trust in her is important. You know, he starts feeling. You know, he doesn't. You start realizing why he doesn't want to turn his sister in for being an eco terrorist. She's the only one he's got. You know, that's kind of like it. And he probably doesn't smoke. He's a secret service agent. So he probably doesn't have a lighter. And then this ending, the, oh my God, the ending of uh, Mouth of the Sphinx, episode three. Um, the next day, John Secret is drinking his morning coffee and he's bolting right for the bathroom. To his chagrin, there's no toilet paper in any of the stalls. What? What's up Goes with to that? the next bathroom, there's no toilet paper in any of those stalls either. He tracks down a White House custodian and says, uh, you know, what's going on? He says that, you know, all the toilet paper in the White House has mysteriously gone missing. And the camera, they do this really cool shot where it slowly pans over into the stall. It starts moving forward. And then we get a close shot of the toilet bowl. And then, boom, fades to black. I I was like, 
That was amazing. Best episode amazing. at this point by by far. Yeah. Yeah. And I just realized something. It's called Mouth of the Sphinx. I believe the Sphinx told riddles, and a riddle is kind of a secret, right? Oh, that's, that's right. True. Yeah, a riddle. I never made that out. connection. Yeah. If you can't figure it out, a riddle's a secret. Yeah. Well, like if the you whole thing is a riddle to John. A, he's like, I know I have my own secrets, but this is a secret I need to figure out. It's like a riddle, and he's trying to like unravel it, almost like a mummy. Oh my god! I never put that together either. The oh, show has so many yeah, layers. You can just analyze it, it so many, like a mummy ways. does. Wow! Oh, just yeah, even a mummy yeah. has layers. Yeah, and that's only episode be... three. What about episode four? Oh my god! Oh yeah, behind closed doors. Yeah, um, that's another last... place where secrets are kept behind closed we're, doors. We're on the t- on the way down now. You know, it's halfway over halfway through through the season. Uh, John's secret begins to grapple with feelings of doubt as he notices more and more inconsistencies in the president's behavior. But when he discovers that the president is having a torrid affair with Vice President Lamia Brisk, John starts to worry that maybe this service has too many secrets after all. John decides to just sort of deal with these feelings of doubt by dropping this vendetta against the money of the mummy. He just decides he's going to keep his head down at the White House, not necessarily listen to his sister and just do his job. You can kind of see as this goes on, we see him clocking in and out, ignoring scarabs, ignoring things that bother him until uh, you see his relationship improving with Felicity and he focuses attention on building his boat, the Dixie Genius. And these are some of the most charming scenes. You know, she's bringing him lemonade. He's working on it. He's painting it. We see see a scene where... She picks up a two by four and you think, is she going to hit him with it over the head? But instead she hands it to him and he nails it onto the boat. And it's like a great moment of like teamwork and kind of this marriage is really like it's turning around, you know, you know, even if she's winding up acting like she's going to hit him most of the time, you know, she doesn't for like 95% of them. So I I do think it's a very sweet moment that they kind of have there. But of course, all things that are going well cannot last well forever. Um, and that's when John's at work one day and the president is giving an address. He's at the podium. Only John can see behind the podium. And uh, he spies a large scarab about the size of a baseball just crawling up the president's pants leg. It kind of gives uh, him a bad feeling in his mouth. And he decides to go down to that Egyptian-themed basement room while the president's busy. Kind of slinks off and uh, you know he gets down there. He throws the box open and... Uh, <gasps> You're thinking, he's going to see it. What's this going to be? We're going to get some answers. And boom, we don't get any answers. It's more secrets. What? There's nothing in the box except some old desiccated bandages. No, well, well, well you, you uh, maybe interpreted those as bandages, but I couldn't help thinking, is that the toilet paper from the last episode? Oh, yeah. That could be the toilet. Maybe he had to use it. Or um, or maybe he replaced his old bandages with some of the 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 toilet paper and left those bandages there. As, as it trash. makes you think, like perhaps these secrets are fleeting. Hmm. Uh huh. And who are they in service to as well? Is something I've also been wondering about secrets. But then what happens? Like an hour later. Oh yeah. And he's looking over the crowd as the president gives this impromptu press conference. It wasn't even scheduled and he just starts talking and John starts to get more and more scared as he realizes what the press conference is about. Uh, the president is all of a sudden announcing a $1 billion archeology span fund to dig up as many mummies and ancient sites all over the world as possible. Oh my God. John goes into a cold sweat as he imagines the streets of D.C. festering with mummies marching towards the White House. What could be the president? What could the president be thinking? 
and and he starts to wonder, you know, who really pulls the strings in Washington, D.C.? What's going on here? I feel like if you Great. pull the string in Washington, D.C., it might unravel like a mummy and you might uncover a secret. That's how it, that this made me feel. string could be connected to like a larger piece of paper that then would be around a mummy that would unravel and yeah, pull it. Yeah, right. And then when you see the mummy, instead of seeing the mummy, it's like you see a secret of some kind. Like, But it's almost like he kind of has to keep this information uh, to himself because if this breaks out, like America could be thrown into chaos if this yeah. comes out to the wrong people the wrong way. And he almost has to kind of keep this whole thing under wraps. Yeah, even he doesn't want to relay all of the information to his sister because if everything was on that Telegram channel, how much fear mongering would be going in? You know, he wouldn't want to be responsible for any of that. And that takes us, of course, to episode five, the last episode before the finale, um, under wraps. And this will start off with John and Shiloh in the kitchen, and they're dressing up Shiloh as a mummy. Uh, He... (laughs) They're wrapping toilet paper around her and getting her to look like a mummy. And, uh, you know, he's starting to wonder what to do. He contemplates reaching out to the president or vice president, but decides that this secret is his service. He enlists Shiloh for the White House mummy hunt. And uh, he sneaks her into the White House by framing it as a mummy delivery for the president's annual <laughs> Halloween bash where he pardons a bunch of Frankensteins and shit. I didn't really get that plot point. Well, it I'm definitely not happens sure at that- the White House. Like, they pardon the turkeys on Thanksgiving. Obviously, they pardon, like, Frankensteins and ghouls and goblins. I couldn't tell if that it's was fun. actually part of the show or is that that was the rest like of Congress, the Congress people, the Congress people bring their kids, like, trick-or-treat to the White House and stuff. Yeah, Senators bring yeah. their grown children and their grandchildren. I just well, I couldn't tell if that was real or a Risco Riffer. It, it, it's it's interesting though that his secret is his service now. Like his service to this country means keeping a secret, which he never expected in the Secret Service. It's kind yeah, of yeah, because usually twist. his secrets are his own, but now he's keeping yeah. other people's secrets, and I guess that's the service implied. But, but uh, obviously, yeah, John brings his sister down to the basement, this secret Egypt room, and. John gets summoned back to his work upstairs, so he's got to go. So Shiloh's just waiting alone in the basement. And like just a moment later, the president emerges from a secret passageway. Oh, so scary. And what happens next is so crazy, though. He mistakenly addresses Shiloh as King Mummet Khan and says, everything is going according to plan, sir. And he bows on one knee and kisses her hand, mm-hmm. which is so crazy for the president. of He's the leader of the free world, and he's bowing to a mummy? What? Yeah, a mummy with blue hair, nonetheless. Well, I don't think he can see that. Maybe there's a little poking was, out of the I think it was wrapped paper, up. But... It, was a little ra- it was mostly wrapped up. But, uh, you know, uh, how would you know, really, I guess, when it came to a mummy? And, uh, you know, she's trying to improvise. She's yeah, trying she's to play along. Toes, yeah. She's like, excellent. That's excellent. And she says, my evil mummy plan is coming to fruition. A little bit of a laugh line, but, you know, he's able to pass it off. And the president goes, I know. And then uh, Shiloh kind of sees an opening. And after the president says, I know about the evil plan, she goes, well, if you know it so well, you know, why don't you tell me what it is? And that's when we get the first big evil information dump from, you know, President Semblance that reveals what while in Egypt a mummy scarab crawled into his nose and is driving around his brain like he's a car. And I just thought that was a great way to put that. That was a very clean, non-clunky way at all to express what's happening. Well, when I heard that, I was like, can you dumb it down for me a little? I'm still don't confused. A, don't even need a Risco's riffer to explain that one. That's oh, right. no. No. Yeah, I mean, I scarab, could use it, but... They kind of show like an x-ray image and they show the scarab kind of on the back of the brain. And, you know, the scarab has is almost like anthropomorphic where he's, you know, he's 
got a fist in the back of, you know, the left side of the brain, a fist in the back of the right side of the brain. And you can see him kind of, you know, moving him around and, and making the president. But it's all in an x-ray, so it looks very scientific. And it like, looks very believable. Scientific. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's very realistic. It's not like a cartoon. They didn't do like a cartoon. No, they didn't do a cartoon. The if oh, they did on the Risco Riffer, though. if they did the Risco Riffer, they might have cartooned it. They Every once in a while, they tunize it on the Risco Riffer and they make a dramatic show, a cartoon for like five seconds and they go there, back. The Risco Riffer will let you do like a, a sort of rotoscope cell shade, um, a scanner darkly effect too. That's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, Interestingly, in this scene, the Risco Riffer just came up to say, I got nothing to add to this. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, basically, you figure out that King Mometacon desires to control world leaders in order to excavate his brethren so that the undead can have dominion over the living on Earth as they believe it should be, like it was in the days of ancient Egypt. That's right. That's how it was back then, you know? But what does the all this president money knows. get out of it? Well, he explains, you know, you know, as we know, old people are the most reliable voters. That's true. And mummies are the oldest people of all. Plus, they will never die, so they can keep voting forever. So having them in your pocket politically, that's very handy for the president. You can see what's oh, in it for yeah. him. This is kind of a deal he's made with the, I would say the devil, but it's actually a mummy he made this deal with. Yeah, it's actually a mummy, not a president and at all. When Shiloh hears this, she just breaks out of her disguise as the mummy, and she just has this impassioned outburst where she's like, you foolish president, you think you can control these mummies? You know, another this is like yeah. an Emmy-winning scene. See, she took yeah. the Emmy in this scene. Yeah. yeah. Her hair was all wet. She looked crazy. She looked like shit. She was screaming. Great acting. And she's like, democracy itself is in peril if King Mometacon's uh, plan comes to fruition. This is why they should have kept that dang mummy in the dirt where he belongs. And it's like, oh, you see her values here, too, of like, that's why she doesn't want people going around digging up mummies because they're going to put some crazy curses on people and things are going to go awry. There's this moment where they cut back to the president. He hasn't really moved or anything yet. And he's just looking at her so vacantly. Like, shouldn't that stir some sort of feeling? And then he just lurches forward and he pukes up another scarab and it, it lands on the edge of the box that she was laying in and it goes and it tries to lodge inside of Shiloh's nose. All of a sudden we cut back to John who's just doing average security detail at the White House and he hears a call over the radio. Uh, you know, assistance needed at the for, for the president in the mummy room. And he goes, oh, the mummy room. He knows it's his sister. So he runs. We see him kind of in slow motion while like classical music's playing and he doesn't know what's going on and getting down there and he arrives to a harrowing scene. Awful. Just, just, we see the president clutching his sister's arms behind her back and a walking horrible mummy. The oh real God. mummy is mm. here. Wow, we finally see him. President looks at John. He's real. He's actually real. He doesn't know that this is John's sister. He just sees a secret service agent. He says, Help, help, help. John pulls the lighter out of his pocket, the lighter that his sister gave him. And he walks up to the mummy, looks at her, looks at the mummy, and lights the mummy on fire. The president's screaming, the mummy's screaming, its weakness is fire, it's trying to find water, it's trying to dive under something, it's catching drapes on fire, it's catching other stuff on fire, everybody's running out, nobody knows what's going on, John escapes the White House with his sister, and all the confusion, and 
the series ends with just them walking outside of the front door well, of the White House. The episode ends. The episode, <laughs> the episode ends. And the Luckily, credits had that that slow that low that slow tempo cover with just oh, piano yeah. of the Prodigy's Firestarter. Yeah. <laughs> just, just so so it gave me chills. Yeah. That was like the biggest cliffhanger to me because you start thinking about what happens next. Like, is his job in danger? He just set a mummy yeah, on fire that's allied with the president. And he works he for just the openly president. defied the president and then just left. How how are they going to react to this when the dust settles? And uh, you know, I gotta say, the the season finale did not disappoint. It did yeah, this not one, disappoint. No, this is this is like what it's all coming down to. It's a masterpiece right episode. What I was here excited sure. to talk about is uh episode six, the Dixie Genius, named after the boat. Um, that he had been working on. Well, and uh, what's interesting enough about that is if you watch this, I actually did watch this episode with the Risco Riffer, and they had a, a little factoid that popped up. The showrunner Zeke Zollers, um, actually talked about this in an interview, I guess, maybe on Fallon or something, but he said that uh, the name Dixie Genius, he got Dixie, um, from his previous show, like he was a showrunner for uh, Rinky's Rules. Yeah, and the was- studio where they shot all five seasons of Rinky's Rules were on Dixie Highway. Yeah. And I, oh, I thought that was wow. kind of interesting. Very uh, interesting. Well, actually, you know, in the one scene in season two where it shows the president and the vice president getting dressed after sucking each other's toes. Episode two. Episode two. Um, you're talking about series and episodes. Pre- I don't know. Where I wish there was a second pre- season. President, out right now. president August Semblance is wearing a Rinky's Rules t-shirt as he puts his... Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. What an interesting... <laughs> I never even caught that Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. He's wearing a Rinky's Rules t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> which he was as an actor, one of the main characters in. It's so you meta. Usually don't so see smart. that many open-handed references. Yeah, the president plays uh, the principal, like I said, and uh, or, or David um, Hyde Pierce, rather. Sorry, not the president. The president isn't the the actor in Ricky's Rules. I don't want to confuse anyone. So we open up on John's secret in his garage after all this stuff is complete. And uh, he's sweating profusely, hammering a wooden board. We're thinking, oh, he must be preparing for like an assault or something. And then it zooms out. He's just working on the boat and it's complete. The Dixie genius, his boat 20 years in the making has finally been finished. His wife, Felicity secret Kaminsky walks out and rubs him on the back. Affectionately. She says, I, she'll make a fine vessel, (laughs) which, you know, it's hard to the line read dialogue was a little (laughs) weird on that one, but, she sounded a little. I think Scottish it's just kind of. She, I think it's kind of playful on her part. Like, yeah, I mean, she clearly just got back from the gym. She's super sweaty. You know, where yeah. you know her yoga Lululemons. Well, whatever. I'm not as big of a Rinky's Rules fan as you guys, but maybe there was like an episode on that where she like had an Irish accent. I don't really know. Well, there was an episode where they are pirates. Yeah, yeah it might be a reference to that or something. It's kind of might weird. be a mem- yeah. Um, there is the episode of Rinky's Rule where his teacher gets hit in the head with a bowling ball and she does think that she is Scottish. Ah, uh, there we go. Bit, so that might might be it. But either way, back to the final episode. You know, she says, 20 years late, not a day too soon. They agree to take the boat out on their maiden voyage together, just the two of them, to reconcile, the, reconcile their troubles in the marriage. And uh, at, at the same time, John's sister Shiloh is recovering in the basement. She's quite ill. She isn't quite sure what the mummy did to her, but she finds that she's weak to fire and she feels very <laughs> cold unless she covers herself in bandages. She picks up her phone and there's a hundred notifications on Telegram. She stares contemplatively at the screen and then puts it back down and falls asleep. Then all of a sudden we see something very eerie. We see a scarab crawl out of her mouth and start playing with her iPhone. 
the screen goes black. Oh my we're given God. we're no not out of the woods yet. Yeah, yeah we think, oh, his sister, looks like you're not out of this yet, John. And uh, as we're thinking that, John's in the garage when he receives a call from the president. You know, the the president knows that John knows a secret. He shouldn't. And, and John panics, you know. He's thinking, am I going to lose my job over the money me incident? Am I going to be arrested? But it turns out the president wants him to keep quiet about his affair with the vice president. Yeah, John, John is realizes, like so relieved, you know. He just thought yeah. that like he thought he was cooked, you know. He thought this mummy thing was going to blow up Life his face. Life back to so normal basically. Yeah, but really like it, yeah, it turns out the president doesn't even remember the mummy incident. No, he All doesn't. This is a secret is John that, can handle. You know? Yes, exactly. That torrid affair with the VP is the only thing he's trying to keep quiet and get his word on that, you know. So John's relieved. Uh, but then the president turns around. He's like, I can trust you with the VP secret with the affair. So I'm going to confide something even more shocking. I got a mummy from Egypt and it is missing. And, uh, you know, John kind of tries to play down what he knows. Yeah, he feigns surprise that, the, you know, the mummy was relevant at all. You know, he doesn't want to reveal this information because he doesn't know if the president's compromised, if he still has that bug in his head driving him like a car or what. So he doesn't know. So he goes back to the White House. He shows back up, leaves Shiloh there, leaves his wife there with the boat, you know. And uh, while he shows up to the White House, before he's allowed to talk to the president, uh, Vice President Lamia Brisk grabs him and pulls him into her office. And uh, she says, you know, she believes that the president is not up to handle this mummy stuff and that things have been strange lately. She says that if John can act as her eyes and ears, she might just consider him to be her vice president. When oh she God. takes over. Looks like she had a secret of her own. She's mm -hmm. making an ambitious power play. John considers for a moment. He always said he wanted to be president. His wife always wanted him to be president. And VP is second in line. Could this, could this be his big chance to make something more of himself? To serve his country on an even higher level? I mean, it's a, it's a hard question. It's a tempting problem for John. And for a second, we wonder, you know, who, what is his character? You know, will John do this? Will he sacrifice it all for this? Well, he's still thinking about that. Uh, and while he's mulling over, he's got a meeting with the president. You know, he walks in there. John kind of fabricates this story about what happened in the mummy room so he doesn't set off any alarm bells with the president. When suddenly... The president lets out an ear-splitting screech in an otherworldly voice, like, you lie, and explodes yeah, into like a million scarabs everywhere. <sighs> and like the whole room's filled with scarabs. Scarabs are going There's around. There's alarms flashing and blaring, and they're biting guys. Everyone in the Secret Service is just shooting their guns willy-nilly. John's just trying to get away from the scarabs. No, but all the rest of these Secret Service guys, they really don't know what they're dealing with, these scarabs. They can jump into your pant leg. They can run up you. They the can jump scarabs your are flying all over the place. They start looting the White House and running out with items out of the White House. <laughs> mm -hmm. Paintings mm -hmm. of George Washington and shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lincoln bedroom sheets, things like that. And yeah. uh, flying out the door, these bugs are everywhere. It seems like even when you shoot one of these scarabs, you know they explode into a thousand more little scarabs. And uh, it's just complete pandemonium. Everyone's shooting their guns trying to get away. And John runs out to the hallway. He gets away from the scarabs, takes a breather, and suddenly he gets a call on his phone from his sister. Just when you He's think it can't get any crazier. Uh, he, he doesn't know what to do. There's stuff going on. He answers it real quick. What's wrong? What's wrong? And she's terrified. And she says something is here and uh john is just helpless as he hears just these footsteps on the roof 
of his house and he hears the door and he hears this, the, 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 the buzzing of bugs. And then there's a struggle. Ah, oh, she's fighting. She's fighting. The eco terror sisters fighting. And then it goes silent. We don't know what's going on. And he sees these bugs flying everywhere in this hallway around him. And he's staring intently at this phone. And all of a sudden, what do we hear? <sighs> the slow raspy breathing of the mummy. So despite the status of the White House, despite what's going on there, he knows the mummy isn't even at the White House. He darts off heading home as the vice president looks upon him quizzically. Yeah, and then, I mean, I can't believe they ended the season this way. The camera just cuts. Abruptly. I mean, it, it only makes sense. Yeah. Me. I mean, well, the way they bring it all together is just genius, I think, where after all that chaos, the alarms, the scarabs, everything, we just cut to this misty shore. It looks so serene, but also ominous with all the mist. And we see John Secret's boat, the Dixie Genius, the one he just completed. It's sailing off into the great beyond. Yeah. And we're thinking, Who's is John Secret on it? Is his wife? There? Yeah, what's Does going on? Does his wife go without no. him? We see the steering wheel. We see a bandaged hand take the steering wheel. And in all his ancient glory, it's none other than the mummy waving and wearing a pair of sunglasses and a captain's hat. And we're just like, where is he going? What is he doing? And why this boat? Why would he take this boat? Is it metaphorical? Did he steal this guy's chance at a normal life? Is he coming back for him? Is John his arch enemy now? What happened to his sister? What happened to his wife? Season All cliffhangers. Cannot All come soon enough. I'm going to be thinking about this every night for the rest of my life until they get this thing It makes going, you think, you know? like, is the mummy actually good? Was the president actually evil? And the mummy was doing good stuff by turning him into a bunch of bugs? Was... He controlling it for good reasons. Was the mummy enjoying the affair that the president was having with uh, Vice President Lamia Briss? Did the mummy make the president have the affair? And if so, why? And if so, uh, well, I think it's implied the president knew about it and it was happening before the mummy took over. Uh, well, I think these are sort of moral questions that actually, you know, we're watching this screen the whole dang time. We don't even turn it around and look at ourselves of what do I think about this? What are my values? You know, like. Yeah, these questions you got to look inside What's yourself. Crazy, what you think is right. Season three of Rinky's Rules. Rinky dresses as a mummy for Halloween. Goes trick or treating. Oh my god! I do remember that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that show in full. Maybe it's gonna give me some insight. I mean, into if the you're a fan of the show. show, you and you like uh, what Zeke Zollers watch does, it with the Riffer. Watch, watch it with the Riffer. I will. The Riffer is. But I will say. If you watch Rinky's Rules with the family, maybe not a good idea to watch this show with them because this show is not for kids. Yeah. Um, they show uh, President August Semblance's uh, testicles a few times. Yeah. And um, it's just rather gratuitous. They, show, they show the president showering like three times. <laughs> <laughs> no reason. It's just they really have that close up where he's just lathering up his, his, uh, his backside. Yeah. And I don't know. Interesting direction there. I think they from, had a body uh, double for directed, David Hyde Pierce. Who directed that episode? I think it was um, uh, Leonard Prescott. I don't know what his deal was with the. Interesting, kind of an Ozu level shot there. It was, yeah. I don't know, it was just interesting, but either way, um, brilliant all around. I uh, bravo all the Emmys for everyone, all the Emmys, including Whiskers, yeah. especially Whiskers the Cat. Give them whatever they want. I mean, I, I'm so excited for season 20 two. seasons, please. I think yeah, Whiskers please. is going to win best cat in a non talking role at the Emmys. I just thought, you know, the, the whole thing was, was good stuff. Uh, the ambiance, the feeling, the mystery. Um, everything I would want in a TV show. And uh, I'm just really hoping the good people of Risco renew it and they see what Zeke Zollers' vision was. And that, you know, if, if not, you know, I, I would love to kind of create some sort of like campaign where we mail maybe a bunch of scarabs. 
you know, to I almost, Risco headquarters or something. I was going to say we started GoFundMe or something, but no, this is a very political show. Why don't we get on change.org and demand Well, also, I, I hope they do more seasons and they get the green light uh, more because I just realized that uh, we did, this is the first episode of uh, Secret Service Speaking Secrets, this, the show we're doing, and we just we just blew through every episode. We don't oh, have yeah. anything else to talk about now. We, we probably should have done one episode. Should have one. An yeah, episode. That would have made that. more sense in retrospect. But you know, we'll be back again. We'll sense. be back when season two we'll airs, won't we? We'll be back and season two comes around. But until then, uh, this has been Secret Service Speaking Secrets. I am Carl Yummy, joined by my good friends Walton Sears and Philbert Fletcher. And, until uh, next that- season. Until next season, we kind of uh, worked ourselves into a corner here where we really don't have enough uh, more content to go on. But uh, as season two comes around, we're hoping that would ease it up. So, yeah, so next time we'll do that. We can't really change it now because we already recorded it and I don't want to undo it. But uh, all right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you in season two.